I don't think that's healthy. I think those feelings need to be felt. And that's something that I always tell in all my classes, whatever feeling you're sitting with, allow yourself to feel it completely. Um, They're valid. And so I think that therapy is a great uh, great tool, mindfulness-based practices as well. Uh, Working out, being part of a community, seeking support groups and uh, people that can relate to your experience and that will be also part of the empowerment part because solutions come out of those support groups. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel Podcast, the podcast where mindfulness and leadership intersect. In this week's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Jaya Devi. Jaya Devi is a medicine woman. Amazigh indigenous to North Africa, she was born in Colombia, then raised in Morocco. She carried on her studies of Western herbalism, shamanism, Eastern philosophy, and mental health. She is an experienced yoga teacher, Usui Reiki master, herbalist, addiction counselor, and the list goes on. Jaya bridges her understanding of the mind, body, and soul connection in her practice through a psychosomatic and eco-spiritual approach. Deeply rooted in trauma theory, as well as ancestral matriarch wisdom, Jaya Devi cultivates an authentic and non-competitive space for growth. Her offerings are an invitation to explore your inner perceptions, as well as reconnect to your truth. Welcome to the Mindful Rebel podcast. I am excited to be back. Um, I had a little extended break. I popped back in with a new episode and then I popped back out on a little break. But now I am back and I am happy to sit here and be able to connect with Jaya Devi uh, to learn a little bit more about the work that she does and just uh, chat it up a bit. Jaya, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, so what I what I like to do to always set the foundation for our conversation, um, I always start out with this general question is, can you talk to me and my listeners a little bit about um, your personal journey and kind of where you are now that's brought you to the work that you do as a cultural mindful mindfulness advocate and medicine woman? Talk to me a little bit about what your journey looked like to bring you to this place. Okay, um, well, it's almost feels like I've been preparing for this all my life. Um, I was born in Colombia. I was raised in Morocco from a Colombian mother and Moroccan father. And um, after obtaining scholarship, I moved to Canada where I lived and called my home for a little over 10 years. Over the course of those 10 years, and even already in Morocco, I had um, an eating disorder um, and also a binge drinking disorder um, that didn't get any better after my father passed away um, in traumatic circumstances. Um, So, yes, I was in Morocco and... um, my, I obtained a scholarship, which was my way to go to, to college uh, abroad. So I seized that opportunity and went to Montreal, Canada, which is a great city. Um, unfortunately, I felt very lonely and I was 
processing the death of my father, which was just a few months prior to that. So yes, um, alcohol became a companion, um, dark nights, and <laughs> it helped me mm. coping with loneliness um, and the feelings of depression. And com- going back once, when you come from developing countries and you have the opportunity to come to the western world uh, or a dev- or a developed country going back is not really a part of the conversation <clears throat> so i stayed in montreal and i studied business uh which wasn't really for me i mean i love i, I love business but i didn't really want to make a career out of it to work for somebody else um so eventually i came across yoga and um through a friend, um, I have a good friend of mine, Omar Mendoza. He was a Reiki practitioner, and he used to go to that spiritual center, uh, which was non-dogmatic. It was more of a mystic um, center, um, and we would join Reiki circles or uh, spirit circles. And after one of those circles that I was uh, partaking in, this lady um, came to me and she told me that she saw yoga in me. I have never, I had never done yoga before that encounter. And the next circle, she went ahead and gifted me her um, Shivananda uh, training, um, yoga teacher training T-shirt and the autobiography of Swami Shivananda. And she invited me to go visit the the center um, that we had in Montreal which I did. So that was my introduction to yoga. And for many years, I was a karma yogi um, at the center, which meant that I helped with anything that was needed around the center uh, in exchange of um, getting yoga classes. But I just loved the work and and helping out. So regardless of my financial situation, I always gave a few hours to help um, at the center. That was my introduction to yoga, and I felt that after that, things really changed in how I felt about myself, and I saw that my mental health was really improving. I connected with my sadhana, my spiritual practice, and uh, devoted myself to to learning and practicing Um, both yoga and Reiki and anything really that I could get my hands on that was... Uh, resonating with my soul and I was kind of away from the mainstream um, or let's let's just say away from the allopathic medicine world Um, so that's what I did after also starting my yoga and meditation practice I really connected with that urge of doing purposeful work Um, so I quit my job I was uh, it wasn't really, I mean, I was working in the corporate environment, but um, I was doing it really just for the income. So I quit the job and I started working um, in the social work field. So I worked at a community center with the children, with elderly, um, and learned on on the job and um, ended up by coordinating the, the, the center over those years. I also, there, there's been quite a few serendipities, uh, uh, synchronicities throughout this this path, <laughs> my, my <laughs> life so far. And so, you know, how you always meet key people at the right time. And I'm not sure that I'm, it happens to all of us. 
so within those years that I was in Canada, I met this um, young woman that is a great friend of mine. Um, and she um, needed someone to help her organize trips to Morocco. And so we met and we started talking and it was actually a project for sustainable tourism, let's call it, in the sense that we would um, visit communities and we will help them with a project that they uh, define is important for them. So, for instance, over the course, and I've been doing that for over 10 years, but that was kind of how I started doing that kind of work internationally, meeting her, walking in the street. We had a common friend and she knew I was from Morocco. She connected with me and we started working together ever since. And so we can, uh, we've together, we've built community centers or uh, improved sanitation in villages that needed, for instance, uh, bathrooms in a, in a in a school uh, or any any type of project. We've also been involved with permaculture and farming, education. Um, so that was great. Um, my yoga path really connected me with purposeful work and and trying to be a good human by 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 giving back. Um, eventually. After 10 cold Canadian winters, I was uh, ready to explore the world. So um, I first uh, left with my backpack alone in Latin America, and um, I traveled for about six months, which was one of the best gifts I gifted myself, <laughs> um, an amazing experience. And um once I ended back in Montreal, I realized that I needed to take a new direction. And so I chose to go back to college. I traveled through California and uh, beautiful sequoia there called me home. You know, like those are the tallest, one of the tallest trees on earth, the redwoods. Um, so I felt like grounding there and that's what I did. Uh, went back to college and studied um, addiction counseling at a community college, um, as well as herbalism, Western herbalism, because I come from the tradition of herbalism, <laughs> uh, but it was very good. My, my rational mind wanted to, wanted to study the, the, the Western practice and have a little more structure around that. And I think it's important to follow, follow your intuition uh, wherever that takes you. And um, started working as an addiction counselor, and I love the work. I think it's important work. And again, the reason why I chose that path besides the binge drinking disorder that I had is that I was in a in a rural community with lots of secluded populations that live that still live in in a food desert, and the opioid epidemic is an is really hitting them hard. Um, so I, again, I was looking around myself and I figured, okay, what is it that this community needs? Well, let's study addiction. Um, and so, yes, that was great. Um, I did that for a little while. And then, unfortunately, I got laid off for xenophobic reasons. They told me that I was 
doing an American citizen's job. Um, the wow. position stayed like vacant for a full year afterwards. So I know that if I wanted to sue them, I could do that. But I'm not there emotionally. So I'm just looking to that. And uh, uh, well, that challenge pushed me to start my own business again. Uh, something that I used to do in Montreal, I didn't mention it, but I started a company called Equilibre Bien-être, which means balance and wellness. And I used to do very similar work that I do now, which is facilitating yoga, meditation, uh, wellness-oriented classes, and also giving workshops to both community center or the corporate world. Um, about all sorts of things, you know, sustainable lifestyle, do-it-yourself workshops and meditation, mindfulness, and such things. So when I got laid off, I figured that I was going to start doing things by myself. So I started teaching trauma-sensitive yoga with indigenous communities um, and also started holding space for people of color because the community that I was in was... To give you an idea, it was five hours north of San Francisco, so it was a it, it was it's rural America, and we weren't many people um, of different ethnic backgrounds. So I started holding space for that, um, and then I chose to move here, and I've been here for a little over a year. Um, I moved here with the next partner that was not good for me <laughs> um so i left him and the last two years were challenging for me because i was undocumented uh, in with this with with the political system that we have that we live in and that was very that that was that was something to live uh <laughs> to live with uh being in constant state of hyper alertness um every single time that i would drive since i wasn't documented i had to be hyper alert and make sure there were no police and that stress was always with me um i lived in a predominantly um white neighborhood so i was always a white christian and and a jewish neighborhood i don't think that the state has anything to do with it but there was I associated my neighborhood with people that may have the tendency to believe in what people see on the TV. So I was always scared that someone would ask questions because the car that I would drive was from California and you know I have an accent and such things. So that stress stayed with me constantly uh, to the point that I believe that the cancer that I have right now is associated to that chronic stress. Um, but throughout that time, I have done all the work and I tried meditating, but I think that there is something to be said about, about that, something that you, you, that is so part of your reality that you can't escape with any type of practice. You may give yourself a break for the time of a yoga practice or for the time of a meditation, but as soon as you step out of that practice, you're back in, um, in fight and flight all the time. Um, so that leads me to now being inspired to bring mindfulness and stress, re mindfulness-based stress reduction um, 
exposed to communities that are exposed to chronic stress, such as undocumented immigrants or um, women or men that have children that have been victims of abuse um, and such communities. So, yeah, I think that answers the question. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm over here taking a lot of notes because you have it's a lot of points I would uh I wanna to circle back to. So Okay. Let me let me let me look. Let me look. Let me look. Cause I'm just like, yes, this bookmark. Let me bookmark this. Um Okay. So first thing, first thing, because it's a lot. So first thing you mentioned um, you know, seeking or being in a space where you're looking for like what purposeful work is and what that means to you. Um, can mm-hmm. you can you talk to me about maybe how you realize that you started to move into or towards a space that felt like purposeful work for you? Because I know that that's something that I feel like a lot of people struggle with in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out what lane is is best for them or what what really is their purpose, you know, as they're kind of moving and navigating through their own life. And so maybe what were some um what were some signs for you that are like, hey, I'm moving towards um purposeful work for my life? Well, it just um I would say that it was kind of an enlightenment. Uh people get it also, you know, when you go to church or you have that moment where your heart is full and you and you feel like giving back. So for me, I really connected with the fact that I'm only a vehicle here and that light needs to be moved through me for the greater good. So I just started asking myself, what is it that my community needs directly? But that has evolved. You know, when I started that path, I was in my early 20s. Now I'm in my early 30s. Um, I feel that it it can be very different for many people. Initially, I just wanted to give back and in any way um, that can be used, really. I was offering myself as a service worker and hopefully using my tools, right, and my interests and my experience. Um, So I would say that now, the way that I see it after, after this last decade of experience, I think that Personally, I would like to give back in the way in in the domain that I that I feel that I've either mastered or challenges that I had to face as well, so that I can relate to the people that I'm trying to get involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that can be that can take the form of volunteer work for certain for certain people. That can take the form of public speaking, of writing, of creating art, music can be a vehicle. Um, I don't think that there is like a right or a, a, a good or bad way to to use yourself to to, to do pur- purposeful work. Really, um, I think that there are many there are many ways to impact people um, in a positive way. Hopefully, right. <laughs> <laughs> And so there was there was something you you, you mentioned, and it, it was a little light bulb went off for me because I realized like that's I don't think I've heard anyone articulate it or actually say it the way you said it that you know yes you know especially being in these healing spaces where we're doing work we're like yes yoga is great yes meditation and yes you can go to these spaces meditate but sometimes particularly mm-hmm. for different communities that you're stepping right back into a space that is fight or flight, 
right? That like that that mm-hmm. that internal work that you do, that that work that you do on the mat is can can help out. But it's like the minute you step back into reality, that there is this this kind of gut check around. This is still what my situation is. How do I mm-hmm. move and navigate um, in that? Can you talk to me a little bit more about that? I just I was a little bit intrigued because I I understand exactly what you mean, and I think it's it's something that happens. I mean, I I feel like that's a reality for oftentimes marginalized groups, right? That absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Talk there, to me a little bit. The, well, yeah, the the, the rates of uh, domestic violence are much much higher in. Um, what are so-called uh, minorities populations, right? And um, and let's just give an example. It's the same thing for. Um, I was just listening to that in the radio. How uh, women in the African American communities are are have higher rates of breast cancer and at a more advanced um, stage. Um, and they're at large, marginalized communities tend to be exposed to those to, to more problems, um, in systematically. Um, so yes, I think that yoga, meditation are great tools. Eventually, and they really help um, that there is an empowerment aspect that 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 takes. Uh, that needs to take part that needs to be part of the solution in the sense that if you can't if if your situation your environment is so toxic to you then you need to build up the strength the inner strength um, to step away from that environment to change it if you can um, and so that's when it's when it's challenging when it's the case of for instance abuse uh, which that's also part of, of my journey. Eventually, um, something called me to martial arts. So I started training uh, Muay Thai. And then I even I even taught kickboxing recently here in Atlanta. And I know that that really helped me regain um, my my power and to choose to say no and step away from that situation. Um, when it comes to people who are undocumented, unfortunately, that can be a little more challenging. Yeah. Uh, in my case, it pushed me to be as resourceful as I could. So I speak, I didn't even know that I was protected by the Violence Against Women's Act law. So if anybody's listening to this and is going, can relate to my story, uh, look it up. <laughs> because it's funny enough, it's through a podcast. I was listening to um, Insights of the Edge uh, from Sounds True. And this author was telling, discussing her book, and um, she actually shared her story of how, how she left an abusive uh, husband, and she went to the immigration offices, and they told her that she could apply for her own green card independently uh, because of the situation that she was um, in. So that's what that's what inspired me to look into it. Wow. <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah. That there are situations that are way more challenging, and I think that therapy um, is also a great outlet, um, a great tool. And personally, therapy has been in my life for the for the last decade, and I think that they work great hand in hand with mindfulness practices. Um, 
the traditional approach to yoga can really um, can really invite us, uh, unfortunately, to um, tap into a spiritual bypassing. So we can get caught in that and just trying to not to diminish our feelings. Um, and I don't think that's healthy. I think those feelings need to be felt. And that's something that I always tell in all my classes, whatever feeling you're sitting with, allow yourself to feel it completely. Um, they're valid. And so I think that therapy is a great, uh, a great tool, mindfulness-based uh, practices as well. Uh, working out, being part of a community, seeking a support groups and uh, people that can relate to your experience. And that will be also part of the empowerment part because solutions come out of the support groups. Um, yeah. Mm. You you touched on you, you talked about spiritual bypassing. Can you talk a little bit more about what that is? Um, well, yeah. To, to me, is it's um, kind of using. So I don't. I'm not sure that I have a book worthy no, <laughs> uh, type of. But to to me, it will be kind of get caught on an interpretation of spiritual teachings um, and and thinking that you're above uh, your humanly needs or your human peers or uh, human experience. Um, that would be how I I would I would define it. Um, I think that in certain cases people can have that sense of enlightenment and they somehow all of a sudden think that they're better than other people or better than a the situation they're in. Um, and in other cases, it's just that we're not allowing ourselves to feel everything and to really explore this human experience because we get caught on a dogma or on an interpretation of a, of, of a spiritual teaching. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I'm 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 sitting with that because I yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, my mind going around that. Yeah. I'm th I'm thinking because I I can see that being um yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably a more more of an issue than I think people may realize or may want to be open or honest about that sometimes we utilize these practices to f feel like it's almost mm -hmm. setting you on a pedestal like well, I meditate, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm already at a different place than everyone else. Not realizing that that mm -hmm. just means that technically you should just be acknowledging that you have more work, you have work to do because you're, you're in a space to acknowledge what that is. But yes, yes. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, and we can somehow when we're in that place, and I think if we're all radically honest with ourselves, we've all been there. Yeah. If we've all been there. So I tend not to judge. I just mm. think that it's part of a spiritual awakening journey and it's mm. part of a personal development journey. So if you're people who are there now navigating that, that space are not going to be there all the time. It's just as we were there as well. And maybe, maybe we will be back there at some point in our, in our journey. I hope not, <laughs> but if it's, there's, there's still a lesson that's, that's going to come back. Mm. Um, I think it's easy. It's, it's just, I think the, the key is to keep a learner's mindset and to remind ourselves that we're always learning, always growing. 
Mm. Uh, it's a student mindset. I think that's that's a proper expression. I don't know. That's a no. No, you're right. That's a that's a, a whole word for you because that's yeah. Yes, I'm sitting here circling this on my paper <laughs> over and over. <laughs> so one thing I want to circle back to is that well, a few things because you just you've, you've yes, this is I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. One thing oh, I, I like to ask, <laughs> I like to ask practitioners um, this, and it's mm-hmm. interesting. I got asked this question myself about a week or two ago um, with uh, one of my friends. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, how has, like, growing and nurturing your own personal practice informed how you're showing up for others in the work that you do? Wow. Well, would this... That's the same response yes. I had when I got asked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, yeah, well, I can say I can tell that this cancer journey that I'm ex- that I'm going through right now and this healing of mine is really um, inviting me to slow down and to hold space for that. Um, and I was already—I mean, I've never really been a vinyasa power yoga teacher. I love the practice. I, I will take a hot yoga practice or a power yoga pra- practice for myself. Um, uh, but that's not something that I felt called to, to, um, to facilitate having, having studied um, trauma theory and all those things. Um, but lately, since my body physiologically has been going through changes, I've had a surgery, I'm going to have another surgery. I'm really using all the tools first that I've studied and I really infuse my classes with um, accessible movements, gentle yoga, gentle stretches, using all the props and and a big portion of my class is really dedicated to going inwards and to to exploring all the different aspects of yoga, not just the asana practice, but there's going to be lots of breath work and meditation and visualization and, and yoga nidra. <laughs> but mm. I know you, you, you practice too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we'll for that. Yeah. So uh, you're just, yes, this is great. So a question I have, and I, this is a question that I've, a lot of these questions are things that like come up for, have been coming up for me too. But I, I think it's a great question to ask that I think the more and more you start holding space for folks, you realize what it means to be um, like a container for other people with integrity. And, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that, you know, oftentimes we're probably holding space um, for people that look like us in that way too, you realize that people are holding, like this is an opportunity that people start digging in and working. And even maybe it's just addressing trauma. So what advice would you give to maybe another practitioner, healer, or worker in this way to uh, maybe hold grace for people that are working with and through or just acknowledging their trauma? Well, um, there is a book. It's very, very light and easy read. And I think that anybody, whether you teach meditation or yoga, um, that works with people and it, that is doing, um, that is addressing trauma and uh, should read. It's called Overcoming Trauma Through Yoga, Reclaiming Your Body by David Emerson and Elizabeth Hopper. 
they are both teachers at the trauma center in Massachusetts. And um, that's a great resource. And it's a really, how many pages? I have the book in front of me. <laughs> Um, it's really an easy read. It's not a big book. It's easy to read. It's it's user friendly and it's filled. It's like 140 p- uh, pages, so it's really easy to read. Um, and I mean, I understand people may have uh, dyslexia or uh, attention deficit disorder, so 140 pages can be something challenging for people. So I'm sorry if I'm making it sound much easier <laughs> for um, those that um, are challenged with books. Um, but yeah, this is a great resource. It has, it, it presents trauma in a very accessible way. And what I love about this book is that it gives tools to yoga teachers on how to hold space for people that were exposed to trauma. So by now, I think that even yoga journal um, is addressing that so everybody is aware or at least have heard of not touching, not giving physical adjustments to people or at least asking permission prior to it. So those are little ways, um, but powerful ways to hold space for people that were exposed to trauma that um, don't want to be touched. And in the way, in, in the words that we speak, I don't know if you've noticed how I am, I it just became, a, it's just I, I moved this way, but how I I caught myself on saying that this book was very an easy read, mm-hmm. and I stepped out of it and I made it more accessible so that nobody feels left aside and nobody feels that they're not good enough. And I think that at large in life, that's something that that we should be mindful of. But especially in the in the in the space that is devoted to healing or personal growth. Um, making sure that everybody feels welcome so that also can take form of the cues that you give, giving enough options for people to feel that if they're not able to do a, a movement, um, it's not that they're not good enough or that they're not advanced in the practice enough because, again, asana is just one tiny portion of yoga, but that they have, they have they're there fully immersed in the experience as everybody else and they're using these props or adjustments or different variations to express themselves through their body. Um, yeah, <laughs> that would be my answer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll make sure uh, for listeners, I'm going to post that book in the description uh-huh. of the podcast so that folks can find it. I'll post a link to it and I need to add it to my Amazon cart myself. <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, uh, you you would you will love it. I'm a, I'm definitely gonna check it out. I'm, I'm definitely gonna add it because, you know, I, I find that I find that more and more that it's like the deeper you you start to go with folks, and especially like if you have folks that are you know if you're creating a community and there may be some return folks that are coming back to seek your your mm-hmm. services or hold space for them in multiple ways. You know, they're deepening their practice, and in that you know, there starts to be a, a, an unearthing or uncovering of more and more things. And so I find that the conversation starts to go deeper. And I'm sometimes and, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And it made me start to think more strategically. I was like, maybe I need to look into some sort of training around this to make sure that I'm holding space. Or also for me, I'm also trying to connect folks to resources as well. And so that's my my 
my, I guess, intermediate answer to that is also trying to help people find resources if I feel like I can't mm -hmm. be, be of, uh, of mm -hmm. support in that way. You're right on it. Not knowing your limitations, mm. that is so important. So if you know that you cannot hold space for that, then direct them to a licensed professional. You know, um, I think that if we do work around that, it's important to have in our toolbox mental health practitioners that are certified and that, I mean, that are certified. I don't think that certifications are so important, but I have the experience and have the tools to address that, to hold space for that in a professional and, and educated manner. Um, yeah. <laughs> you are so good. Good, good job on that. <laughs> on that. <laughs> such an important point. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned, you know, this, uh, this idea of like slowing down uh, mm -hmm. as a part of like self-care and, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I find it difficult and I know other folks find it difficult. Um, you yeah. know, uh, how, how do we, how do we start to incorporate that as, as something that is, how do we hold value, start to hold value in slowing down and what that looks like just with the normal hustle well, and bustle of things? <laughs> well, because it makes you smarter. Mm. It, uh, it literally people who meditate have an increase in gray matter in their brain. So we, by meditating, we literally become smarter. We become more resilient against stress. So if we have a very stressful, I mean, I don't know how I would have managed to achieve and accomplish everything that I've done being undocumented here. If I didn't have my practice, it makes you much more resilient to stress. Um, you're able to keep a level head when events happen that are that that you weren't planning for, um, and to be solution oriented. You have an increase in focus and mental clarity. So, in that framework of trying to be productive, slowing down makes you more efficient with your time. Um, now, if we are going to step, step out of the business mindset, your body needs it. <laughs> we need to slow down. We need to value that. And if we look at it from a cultural perspective, there's something to be said about coming from a marginalized community um, or and not valuing rest because your mindset is on the go, 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 hustle, hustle all the time. And for instance, in my case, I really had to work on not feeling guilty for taking care of myself and for prioritizing my self-care because, you know, you leave your country, you have, you're the one that were, was able to go to North America, you have to make it, right? And there is no, there, you can't stop, you always have to make it. Um, and if you're not making it, you want to make sure that it, everybody in, in your family is taken care of and such things. So I think that so it's there is some work um, to be done internally in valuing it. You can look at it from physiologically speaking, what you get that I've already cited. And also um, re recognizing when you're not prioritizing yourself and your well-being uh, because you're trying either to make somebody else somebody else proud or you're just not allowing yourself to even 
prioritize yourself at all. And and I think that's sad because at the end of the day, we're gonna leave this plane and it's gonna and it's you and you. <laughs> and, I mean, I believe that our community around us is so important and we're social creatures and 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 I really I cherish my family. I will I will do anything for, for people that I love. And I also keep in mind that I need to fill my cup to be able to, to, to pour into somebody else's cup. So here, those are all the different angles that I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, for, you know, I like to, to talk about some of the, the terms that, that the podcast, you know, goes into detail about, you know, each episode. And I love to get the perspective of my, of my guests on the show. And so for you, how do you define mindfulness? Mindfulness is your ability to be fully aware of your present experience, including thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, and your surroundings. Hmm. Yeah, I think for you, that's how what, I define it. <laughs> for you, what does, what does success look like, and maybe how has that evolved or changed over time? Success is, to me, would be um, feeling accomplished, um, feeling um, joyful, happy, and healthy. Mm. (laughs) I think really, truly, I think that, and whatever it is that will get you to those places, feeling joyful, happy, healthy, um, feeling accomplished, that's such a personal definition. So people can feel very successful, completely devoting themselves to humanitarian work. And um, people can feel completely successful and content by succeeding in the corporate uh, finance, corporate world. Um, or, yeah, that's such a personal personal question but i i i gave you a broad uh, a broad answer where everybody can just go and fill the blanks okay how do you define uh compassion compassion okay um your um ability to have empathy to relate to somebody else's um reality um and to still hold space in your heart for that person. And I think the most challenging thing that we can do is uh, feel empathy and compassion to people that have done us wrong and to hold them in our mm. heart. Mm. Yeah, you just, you, just, uh, you just hit something right there. <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day, we, we must re- remember that hurt people hurt people. I don't know where I heard it, but that's not mine. I'm quoting someone. Um, but I, it might be actually Vishen Lakhiani from Mind Valley, and um, and that's true. Um, if we, even the people that have done us, that have done horrible things, I think that looking at life through their lens and trying to imagine their upbringings and what brought them to behave in a certain way can really help us in feeling empathy and compassion towards mm-hmm. them. And that's also something that I do with, with, with the people that 
um, that I hold space for through meditation when we guide, we when we discover or move through compassion and just trying to bring elevated emotions and healing, that's something that that we do. We we work on forgiveness to really heal that heart space. How important is forgiveness in, in terms of maybe working through trauma? Um, at some point, I think that that will be very freeing, but it's so challenging. People have been exposed to such terrible, I mean, there are people that have done really terrible things to other human beings um, constantly and some without, without, without stopping until someone gets out of the situation. So it's hard. I can totally understand how it's it's hard and it's legitimate to not want to forgive. Um, and I I think that that's um, I think that that's legitimate. I think that that's, that's you're you caught me there because I want to I want to make sure that people that are listening that have that choose not to forgive feel completely entitled is I don't think that you're doing anything wrong. If you choose not to forgive. Um, I think that um, as long as you are finding ways to release the anger, that it doesn't turn into a bitter and toxic emotion within yourself. Um, that that would be my advice and seeking counseling um using art there is there are a lot of therapists that do that that look into art therapy movement therapy yoga therapy all of these are great outlets to to help you address how trauma is stored in your body um using your psyche but also your body um to release it um so yeah personally i think that forgiveness is kind of the, the closure to that chapter and then you're able to move on and that's what I apply on my personal journey and I hope that I'll be able to hold space for healing in that way in my experience and yeah so, so that's, that's my answer if I was to take it back circle it back to my experience and not really trying to dictate what I believe that other people should do yeah can you talk to me about a person who's had like a, a tremendous impact on your own kind of growth and development, maybe how they've um, impacted you in that way? Uh, people, personal people, personal encounters or through books? Uh, let's start with, with uh, people first. People. Um, uh, a person, well, for instance, Omar Mendoza, my close friend, he's the one who introduced me to yoga. And I mean, through him, I met the woman that introduced me to yoga, but he's the one who introduced me to um, spiritual work in the sense of connecting with spirit, the spirit world, literally, and mysticism and metaphysics. Um, so I'm really, really grateful for him, and he inspired me greatly. Then I've had teachers that inspired me while I was um, studying addiction counseling, um, and also people that were instrumental. I think that everybody inspires me to a certain extent. I look at everybody as a teacher, so... Sometimes people would say a word or a sentence, they're talking about their experience and how they overcame things and that lights the bulb in your head. You're like, oh, I need to look into that. Or um, I, I, 
I want to be free of resentment. I want to work on my ability to forgive. And that's how I started forgiving, for instance, um, by hearing somebody else talking about their forgiveness journey. Mm. That's great to be that open, the open enough to that, you know, everybody is the teacher because that's, yeah. Yeah. Every, I think everybody has something to, to impart and it's good to be in a space to be receptive to that. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. Hopefully that will last. We go through waves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that would last. Um, um, you know, if, if I know that you practice Reiki too. So, you know, we're all conduits, we're all channels. And sometimes, um, we channel and we verbalize things that somebody else needs to hear. Um, that wasn't really for us. And it's that, so that's important to, to allow yourself to express yourself when things come up and to remain open um, when, when things come up for somebody else because there is a message, there is a lesson for someone. Yeah. All right, what, what are some resources you'd like to share? Books? podcast, anything that may be of benefit to somebody else um, that you totally. think is worth, um, yeah. Insights of the Edge by Sounds True. I love that podcast. Uh, Mind Valley podcast is great um, if you are into uh, personal development. These two are great when you're into personal development and you have a lot of podcasts that are centered around trauma trauma. Uh, theory and, and working with communities that have been exposed to trauma. Um, as far as podcasts, I think that those two, that if you are into fitness, I also listen to the Ben Greenfield um, podcast. I'm going to open my app right now so that I look at what I have. I like podcasts. And if you are into herbalism, the um, Herb Rally is a great resource as well. Um, Herb Rally? Herb Rally, yeah. And the other one would be the Holistic Herbalism Podcast. That's a great one, um, a great resource for, um, yeah, for, for learning about plants and herbalism. Um, then I have a few NPR podcasts. So you can look up NPR and they have a few have the Hidden Brain or the te- the TED Radio Hour. Um, yeah. Okay, that's enough for podcasts. <laughs> then um, books, Overcoming Trauma Through Yoga by David Emerson and Elizabeth Hopper would be a great resource. And the, um, there are two other founders of like uh, pioneers in trauma work, which are Bessel van der Kool and Peter A. Levine. So they both have a few books, but um, the one that I have here is The Body Keeps the Score from Peter, uh, but I'm sorry, from Bessel van der Kool. And um, if you're into nutrition and plant-based diet, the China Study is a great resource that I recommend to anyone by T by, by both father and, and son, uh, Colin Campbell and Thomas Campbell. Um, then Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Jordi Panza is one of my latest reads and I loved it. And if you're a yoga practitioner, you're gonna see that he is democratizing yoga practices such as the use of bandhas um, and pranayama exercises and guided meditations 
um, in a way that is very, very accessible um, mm. for people that don't know anything about yoga. And what I love about it is that he goes into the science behind it and they did a lot of research. So you have all the research in this book. Um, yeah, that's a great book. Um, right now I'm reading Yoga and Psyche by Mariana Ka- Kaplan. Um, it's it's great. I'm loving it um, so far. Again, great resource for um, yoga teachers or mindfulness practitioners that hold space for people that are processing, um, that are there for more than just the physical practice. <laughs> and then I think that two books that I really recommend for women uh, are The Red Moon and Optimized Woman by Miranda Gray. Um, and that's how to harness the power of your menstrual cycle um, and plan accordingly for success. And now I'm not, I'm, I don't have any menstrual cycles anymore, but I still, I mean, those are, those two books really impacted my life and how I organize my life um, and chose to honor my body cycles too. You have just given an entire reading list, which is great. I'm going to post this in the podcast description. So don't worry, listeners. Click down in the description. I'll put a link to the books that were mentioned so that you can add this to your reading list because, yeah, this this all sounds great. And podcast lists for all the other podcasts that you listen to. Uh, you, the book, one of the books you mentioned, Keith, it jumped off the pages I was writing it because, you know, I'm big on repetition. So I'm like, okay, I heard it again. I need to probably pick up the book. Is the the body keeps the score? Uh huh. And I've uh, you're you're about the fourth or fifth person that have, has brought that book up. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I probably need to pick this up to to add it into the rotation to read. This is a great. This is a great one. Uh, I forgot the name of Peter A. Levin. Um, he wrote, he wrote a few books, but, um, he's also a great resource to look into. Thank you. Thank you. So as we start to wrap up this conversation, I like to ask folks, um, this question, which is, I enjoyed this question. Um, cause it's one of those weird questions that you get asked and it makes you think, um, you know, at the end of the day, what do you, what does legacy look like for you? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I get that um, response quite often too when I ask this. So, yes. <laughs> um, I think that for me, it would be inspiring people to, to just go for it. I mean, if this, in my, I mean, through, through my lens, right? If this, lady has been able to leave Morocco and live all these these experiences and continue to 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 live by by her principles well I hope that it inspires people to just to just go for it um yeah I think that that will be the that will be a good one that's the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, inspiration. <laughs> so okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, listen. Yeah. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. I'm glad that we have been able to uh, sit, you know, circle around and converse in this way. Um, 
I like to let my guests share. How can my listeners get in contact with you to learn a little bit more about what you do um, and kind of check out your work? Well, uh, through my website. Okay. So jayadevi.com. Um, I am healing and I have a surgery coming up, so I'm taking time to slow down, but I'm always happy to connect. So, you know, people can reach out and um, if uh, you want to meet me, we will schedule it when I can. <laughs> and when, and when uh, whomever is reaching out is also available. So my, my website is the best, is the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And that will be posted in the description as well. Look, Jaya, thank you. Um, I want to say, well, one, I want to say thank you for being transparent and just sharing um, about your journey. Um, you know, all the, the wishes, love and light towards your healing journey and what that looks like. Thank so I want to say thank you for sharing. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm always um, happy to connect with like-minded people. And thank you for allowing me to share my story. Um, with you and and people who are following you. It is in gratitude that I say thank you for listening to this episode of the Mindful Rebel podcast. If you like what you heard, please follow us on your favorite podcast platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and TuneIn. If you want to learn more about the work that I do as a mindfulness practitioner, Gallup certified strengths coach, and graphic designer, you can check out my website. That's SeanJMoore.com. Again, that's SeanJMoore.com. Thank you again, and I hope this platform serves you in your own personal growth and development.